2: I'm Mike Burris and this is Straight Talk. Any boxing match on any fight card is all about getting people on board the hype train. That's right, the hype train. If you're a boxer and you want to make it on the world stage, you want Eddie Hearn in your corner promoting that fight. You want to be part of his card. Eddie Hearn is the chairman of Matchroom. You'll see the man break up fights during weigh-ins, but most importantly, he brings together some of the biggest names in the industry like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant, Katie Taylor. But he's also brought millions of new viewers to the sport and created the infamous fight between YouTube sensations KSI and Logan Paul II. second. It is also behind one of the biggest fights in 2021 for us Australians. That's George Cambosis versus Teofimo Lopez. George being one of the faces of Australian boxing and being at the world level. And T.F.M. Lopez, who happens to hold the WBA, WBO and IBF lightweight titles, are both undefeated in their professional careers. It's a little bit, though, David and Goliath. Lopez is loaded with all the awards, and George is going to take them away from him. This will not only be a huge moment for Cambosis, but also put attention on the pool of talent coming right out of this great country of ours, Australia, when it comes to the fight game. And I'm pumped for it. It's time for no bullshit. One of the most prominent names of boxing, Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn, welcome to the episode of Straight Talk. Thanks for having me. Eddie, you're the uh, you're the chairman of Matchroom. Um, you've got a great business. For me, I think you're the best. Fight promoter, best boxing promoter in the world, probably the biggest too. Um, And one of the things I just want to say to you straight up, mate, is that uh, I think everybody who's just gone through the COVID, particularly here in Australia, what you and DeZone have done together, you know, that that, that great partnership with that great marriage has just been unbelievable for us here because we've been stuck in our homes and we've been able to watch great fights just about every bloody week. Great content. You've been doing a fantastic job. So we just want to say straight up, thank you. And this week, I've got to say straight up, one of my all-time favorite players is Georgie Kambosis. Good Greek boy. Good Aussie Greek boy. He's fighting one of your boys, well, another matchroom fighter. Um, it's uh, a Tiafimo uh, Lopez, you know, like an all-time great beat, uh, Lomachenko of all people. So uh, that one's coming up this Saturday night. That is a big fight for us here in Australia. And how are you feeling about that fight?
1: I can't wait. You know, it's, it's been a long time coming, that fight. And, um, you know, Australian boxing's flying. It really is. You know, not just, obviously, guys boxing internationally, but Tim Zhu, You know, flying the flag for you guys over there with big crowds. Um, Brock Jarvis and other great fighters just signed with us as well. Dempsey McKean, the heavyweight we had on our card on Saturday and probably the highest profile fight of the year for an Australian. Definitely this Saturday at Madison Square Garden. George Cambosas, who's full of fire. You know, he's a a big underdog in this fight because Lopez is a great fighter, but you know he's going to be giving everything. And I hope everybody in Australia tunes in.
2: Yeah, so do I. Well, I think they will. And what, what's really interesting is your partnership, Matchroom's partnership with DAZN. Um, is quite an interesting sort of. It's a streaming model. It's and it's it's a new model for you. It's you're a content provider. Matchroom's a great content provider globally. Yeah, on, not just on on fights, but a whole number of things. But just in terms of the boxing, DAZN has this in Australia. I don't know if you know this, but it's like three bucks a month or something. Three bucks a month. To have, the, to, to have access to this app, I use it. I, I'm always on. I'm always on DAZN. I, mean, I watched a whole heap of fights on DAZN. I mean, I enjoy it a lot. It's so cheap, so accessible, and the, the stage show, the production is really bloody good. Like, and I want to ask you this. How much of your personality, how much of Eddie Hearn personality is in the show? I'm I'm talking about the whole show, the whole thing, all the pre, all the warm ups, all the training episodes, all the weigh ins, all the post fight, all the discussions, everything. How much of Eddie Hearn's own own personality is in this?
1: Well, it is a show. You know, that's the key. The key phrase, the key word. It's a show. It's an event, and that starts from the inception of a show. You know, that starts from the announcement, for the opening press conference, to the content, to the build up. You have to engage the fans at all time. You have to get them excited. It really helps when there's great personalities as well i mean tfimo and george is a good example but you know everything that we try and do we try and bring freshness to it we try and bring you know almost like that sexiness to the event where you want to be there you want to tune in you want to watch you're quite right that you know the value for money on the zone at the moment is ridiculous because it's just a soft launch if you like of this global model in some markets particularly australia and you know as you say right now in australia you can watch just show after show after show for, for a couple of bucks a month. I can't tell you it will, that'll last forever because when we come to Australia, they're going to have to put the price up slightly, but still much cheaper than those traditional pay-per-views that you're seeing right now that are very expensive, you know, when Tim Zoo and those guys fight. So in terms of our events, we want to make them different. You know, we want to make you feel like you're going to an event when you're there. You're tuning into an event, not just a fight. And we have to try and get the fans engaged and invested from the inception of that fight, from that initial announcement.
2: But it seems to me that Eddie, that you put yourself into it. So I learn as much about the, f- the events that are coming up. I learn as much about the fighters um, from you, as I do from any other part of the whole program. So I, I mean, I look at, I follow you on Instagram. I see your Instagram stuff. I see you hanging out with them. I see you talking to them. I, I, I mean, I I see you. Know, you look like you're good mates with Anthony Joshua. I mean, you look like you're friends with all these dudes. I watch, I watch the Brock Jarvis fight. Like I'm a big fan of Brock Jarvis. I mean, I watched Brock Jarvis fight. I saw you talk to Brock after the fight. I heard Brock tell me what you said to him after the fight. I mean, it's, you, you really personally invested. Whereas anyone, any other platform, I watch the fights on. Other than the UFC, I don't see that. Well, and I'm asking, yeah. is, is there a business model?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, look, also every platform helps. So, you know, DAZN is a huge global platform, but I've managed to build my own platform as well, you know, in terms of being able to promote these events. And it's the UFC is a fantastic business, you know, and we look at the UFC. I always tell our guys, watch what they're doing. I have no shame in telling people that occasionally we will copy what they're what they're doing and they're you know they've been trailblazers in fight promotion what dana white has done is he's become his own brand as well he's become his own platform so yes the ufc itself has its own platform it has its own broadcasters but dana white may have the biggest platform of all of it you know and and he is the vehicle to promote these fights very similar to myself you know i've built a platform on social media to, to enable me to push these fights, to push fighters, to push their profiles. But the stuff you see is natural. You know, I love boxing. I love trying to help people realize their dreams and ambitions and, and create a legacy in the sport. And, you know, some fighters, obviously, I'm a lot closer to than others, depending on how the managers and stuff like that let you have a relationship with them. But, you know, our model is very similar to UFC. And now with this global rollout with the zone, when we come to new territories around the world, That's when people know us, you know. So when we come to Australia next year, fight fans will say, oh, Matchroom's coming to Australia, just like they would say when the UFC are coming to Australia. You know, it's the brand, it's the fighters, it's the show, it's the whole package. Yeah, it's,
2: it's interesting in business. I mean, I, I, my podcasts are normally about around talking to businesses and new businesses and startups and, and also mature businesses. And we always are talking about, you know, like a new, everyone thinks there's some new technology, but at the end of the day, very few new things exist, just very good things exist. And they've always existed the whole time. And you just said something interesting about UFC or Dana White. What he's done is, is quite intelligent, very smart, but very, very effective. And there's nothing wrong with copying him. I mean, I mean, you know, like to, to an extent because what their sh- shows are is are very entertaining. You know, like it's different to boxing, it's different on the ground, all that sort of stuff is different. But you putting your personality into this has been extraordinarily important, I think, in terms of your success, your success, Matchroom's success and ultimately Dazone's success because they're feeding your, off your content. Why does Eddie Hearn love boxing so much? What does boxing, I don't mean in a business sense, just as a A participant, someone who likes to watch and be part of it. What does it do for you?
1: I think boxing is is the greatest sport of all. I mean, it's so raw, it's so intense, it's violent, it's beautiful, it, it saves lives, it makes lives, it creates legacy. Um, you know, I've seen it since the age of eight years old, from being in fighters' dressing rooms to carrying out the world championship belts to seeing fighters, unfortunately get injured or even lose their lives. You know, I've been there. I've, I've seen absolutely everything in the sport over 35 years. And it's just something that engrosses you. It's, it's an addiction being involved in the boxing business because there's nothing so exciting. The characters, the fighters, the business, you know, every fighter has a great story. And generally every fighter is actually a great individual as well. And there's something endearing about these guys that, you know, have battled their way out of where they come from. You know, every fighter comes generally from from a tough background. And, and to see them rise out of that, to see them create something for their lives, to see them create legacy. And it's the moments, you know, it's it's the ups and downs. It's it's the times where you, you feel like you're crushed to your knees. It might be Anthony Joshua losing to Andy Ruiz at Madison Square Garden. And then, you know, it might be the joy of him coming back and winning a rematch and becoming a two-time heavyweight world champion, those highs and those lows, you can't buy in any other sport. I mean, we're lucky to work in so many great sports, you know, another one, darts that's flying in in Australia as well. It's a huge spectator sport here in in the UK, but boxing, there's nothing like it. You know, there is nothing like it. And I just feel that it's such a huge sport that, although is, is extremely popular among broadcasters globally, still has so much potential because of the drama, but we have to keep telling the stories.
2: Because it, gets, it seems to me, Eddie, that you get the boxers. I mean, you've done a little bit of amateur boxing from what I've read, but you, you've lived them, you live their lives through what your dad did in the earlier days and through what you've done since then, and you've sort of been born to it to some extent. But it looks like you get the fighters you get their struggle you get that how hard it is for them to make weight how hard it is for them to live with their families during the period when they're sort of completely committed to training and getting ready for a fight over a period of 12 8, eight 12 weeks whatever it is and all the things they have to sacrifice have you is there is there something in them that you see in yourself in terms of maybe how you've lived your life or how you've had to push your way into your business. I mean, you know, like you've had to fight your way into what you do. I mean, all right, your old man set it up before, but nonetheless, you know, no one's hands anything to Eddie Hearn on a plate. You have to fight your way into these things. You have to earn your way through it.
1: I think in some aspects, you know, obviously I think they've got a much tougher job than I have. Um, You know, what I do can be, yeah, can be mentally draining and, you know, can be frustrating at times and, can be quite arduous, but it's nothing like what they have to go through. And I just have so much respect for these people. You know, when they're putting in the work that they do, the effort that they do, it's a tough, tough sport. You know, you talk about making weight, you know, I've been there, I've I've been making weight with fighters, trying to help them to to get over that last hurdle. You know, I live and breathe it with them as well. But I think there's a lot of similarities between boxing and business as well. You know, consistency is key, always you know, hard work, determination, um, a relentless mindset, you know, winning mindset, um, and the ability to bounce back. You know, like I said, that, that's also key. Some days you don't have a good day, sometimes things don't go well, but if you believe in yourself and you do the right things and you're good enough and you're consistent, then you will get results as well. And I think that's sometimes difficult to drum into someone with their kind of background. You know, yes, they're tough, But it's about man management through the levels. You know, when a young fighter starts out with nothing and then they start making money, you know, and they've got the distractions of life, whether it's their friends, whether it's a social life, whatever it is, sometimes it's difficult for them to take that all in and still be the same hungry fighter. That's when you get the special fighters. You know, the ones like Canelo Alvarez, the ones like Anthony Joshua, who I see work as hard now as I did when they had not a dollar in their pocket, you know? And that's a special fire, that's a special mindset. In a sport like this, how can you continuously go out, do those horrible runs in the morning, get bashed around in sparring, go out and fight in an amphitheater in front of millions watching around the world when you don't need that anymore? You know, boxing for many people is a way out of where they come from, right? And so when you get out, Marvin Hagler, greatest quote of all time, it's very difficult to get up and do your heel runs in the morning when you're wearing silk pajamas, right? So, (laughs) but the greats still have that mindset, they still have that desire, and it's a winning mentality. So, you know, in terms of the similarities between what I do and the fighters do, you know, I'm much much more comfortable just sitting at a desk and flying around the world and, and grinding. But it's the winning mentality, it's the winning mindset. And it's that it's the work ethic. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a fighter, you're a businessman, that's what's gonna see you through is is consistency, is a winning mindset and ability, of course, but just just the will to win. And and that's something that most fighters have.
2: Well, it's, it's funny you should say that. You wrote a book called Relentless, Twelve Rounds to Success. And you covered off a lot of those things you just talked about then. And, I mean, I saw it was a bestseller back in 2020 or 2021. It was more recently. And you just said a mindset of winning. It just comes across to me that you have that mindset about yourself. I mean, you, you don't, I don't know, I don't, where the hell do you he get your confidence from? Where did Eddie Hearn get his confidence from? I mean, you, you're going to think it's natural. You think, oh, I don't know, it just seems to be come to me. But when you, as me as a viewer, when I'm watching you, I think, God, this guy's cocky. He's got so much confidence. He's, got so, he's like an, a boxing encyclopedia. He knows all these fighters. He knows the last fight. He knows who went 12 rounds, who went 10 rounds, who made five rounds. At what point after the third round did someone make a comeback? You're a boxing encyclopedia. Um, therefore, you must be a, a total student of everything you do. How important is for you to come across as that confidence in terms of being a good promoter to the fighters that you try to promote? What is it they're looking at for from you?
1: I think when you talk about like the encyclopedia of knowledge I've studied boxing like when I was 8 years old 9 years old 10 years old I was studying fighters records you know every fighter that my dad represented was my, was a hero to me and that's continued through the years and when I go to press conferences people sometimes still don't believe that I don't have notes you know when I sit down to do a press conference there could be 10 fights on the card I've not prepped one word I'm going to say at that press conference I turn up and I just start talking because that's natural. You know, I think the worst thing you can do at a press conference is, you know, and also uh, we've got here, yep, yeah, so and so, and that's an <laughs> eight round fight. You know, it, that, that that's not, doesn't work. It's not good enough. You've got to live and breathe a fighter's career. And the hardest thing about having a business that's grown to the levels that ours is, if we have over 100 fighters. You know, back in the day when you had four or five fighters, you could literally speak to those guys three times a day. So they need to know that you're obsessed with your job of delivering for them. You know, I'm very vocal about these guys being my boss. And over the years in boxing, there's, you know, fighters have, have had the hard end of the stick from promoters. Promoters are the boss, right? And the fighters work for the promoter. That doesn't happen anymore and that's not how it should be. So every one of the fighters that I represent is my boss. And I have no problem with saying it. You know, you ask Bob Aram or one of these older guys to stand up and say, Yeah, I work for the fighters. They're my boss. They can't do it because it's a different kind of world and era that they come from. So, you know, when you're talking to a fighter, they have to know that you know them inside out, you know the route inside out. And it stems down from, you know, when a fighter makes their debut, I know already six or seven guys that is the perfect guy for you to fight on your debut. This guy on fight three, this guy on fight five. When we get to double figures, I'll move you in the world rankings. Then this guy would be a good guy for a big profile fight for you to headline your own show. You know, this governing body has a champion that's a little bit weaker. And by the time we get there, his mandatory will be due. It's it's about man management of a fighter's career. There's too many people who don't really know what they're doing, but you know, you live in a world in boxing where it's sexy to enter that world of business. Boxing, right? It's the worst business in the world. Trust me. And you can do your brains financially if you're not good enough or you don't know what you're doing. Yet still, people want to invest. People want to take a chance. People want to have a piece. of the boxing business. So you're always up against competition that may have significant investment, but also has very little clue about what they're doing. But you know that's, that's the challenge as a business to, and I talk about consistency, consistency over time. And consistency is a key word in everything that you do because it doesn't matter, someone else comes into the business you know, with a load of money, a big investment, we want to take over boxing. I've, I've seen them a dozen times, but it's, it might be a fu- fight for a month. It might be a fight for three months. It might be a fight for a year. But quality and consistency will always see you outlast the competition.
2: It's funny because that's what we saw what Trilla did with Cambosa's Lopez. They bid a lot of money, fight didn't and eventually, eventually, and they actually pulled yeah. out, and then you got the show. Um, as, as let's call it an underbidder, but probably the sensible bidder in terms of pricing, and uh, and now you're putting the show on this weekend. Um, I, I, I noticed something about what you do, is, and I, I guess you've got a whole team of people there working for, and I've actually seen a, a few videos of you with your team, and I have actually spoken to your CEO, Frank Smith, and they're all pretty young team, pretty full on. Um, but what I do notice is that it what's very clever is you put up today, I think, on your Instagram, on your stories – a picture of um, something that came out of uh, Lopez's uh, post where he talked about how much Tyson, Mike Tyson helped him. And it's very clever to tie Lopez with Tyson. And then you put it on your, on your stories. That's even more powerful. So you're sort of playing multiplier games. Do you sort of try to help people out like uh, Lopez with how to best leverage things like Instagram and maybe Facebook, but more importantly, Instagram and stories and how to build their profiles and how to actually take themselves up into the higher atmospheres in terms of building their audiences?
1: Yeah, I mean, digital presence and and presence on social media is so important now for everybody, particularly fighters. You know, it's, it's a big model if they can grow their following. So I think, you know, help and advice on how to do that is important, but I want them to be real. I want it to be them. You know, I think the worst thing you can do is go to a fighter and say, you know, you need to behave like this. You need to say this. You know, go to a press conference and say, right, you know, when you do a head-to-head, why don't you do this? You know, it has to be natural. Let it unfold. And it doesn't always... No, I say to fighters, you don't have to be the loudmouth bad man if that's not you. It's our job to create your brand and your profile and your persona with you. But let it be real. So someone like Lopez, who's very outspoken, I mean, he's gold. You know, I mean, I'm going to go to the press conference on Wednesday. He's going to come out of traps. He's going to just go for George Cambosis in the press conference. I'm going to probably be pulling them apart and they're head to head. So, you know, some fighters need more work than others in that respect, but it's very important for it to be real as well.
2: Can I ask you this? And you might, this is a complicated question for someone who is knowledgeable as you, but. What do you think is the hottest division in men's boxing at the moment? Is, I mean, I love the lightweight division. There's some unbelievable fighters there. You've got Haney and Diaz, I think, not this week, the week after next. You, and you've got Lopez and George uh, Campos this week. Um, you've, you've got Lomachenko. He can still fight in the same division. Um, there, there's a lot of good fighters in that weight division. But what do you think is the, the, the hottest division right now in boxing?
1: Well, I think the heavyweight division will always be the glamour division. You know, that will always be the one that draws the casual fans in, you know. And I think casual fans are important because there's boxing fans and there's that hardcore following. And then there's the casual audience that come in for the big fights. Generally, that casual audience will come in for the heavyweight fights. But right now, when you look at the lightweight division, I do think that is the most attractive division. In boxing, but only if they fight each other. You know, people keep talking about yeah. the four kings, Haney, Lopez, Lomachenko and Javonta Davis. But you're likening those four kings to the, the real four kings, which is Hagler, Hearns, Leonard and Durant. So, you know, the lightweight guys, you can't call them kings yet. They're princes because they're not for each other. You go back to that era that I talked about, they boxed each other and they boxed each other once, twice, you know, and, and that is the key to making a division great. That's the key to making the sport great. You imagine all of a sudden we've got Tiafino against Devin Haney or we've got Javonta Davis against Ryan Garcia. Or, and they could fight each other Garcia, yeah. you know, two, three times for the next three or four years and make fortunes. But it's having the desire to do it. It's you know, the politics of the networks. It's the egos of the promoters. It's the training. It's so many different things. So every now and again, you know, particularly with Teofimo and Devin Haney, I believe you know, the dads have almost shook hands on this deal. So I promise you, we get through our two fights, we'll make this happen. And you know, they've both got tough fights, but you need to see the guys fighting each other.
2: I saw those two dads going at it and I saw you standing in the middle after it could have been after the Canelo fight. I can't remember, but it was it was a fight a couple of weeks ago anyway. I saw the dads ripping into each other. That's Hany and Diaz, was it? It was Haney and Diaz yeah, yeah, having a crack at each other, was it was it those two dads? It was such good television, such good theatre for the fight game and I saw you sort of standing there thinking to yourself, give me more. <laughs> like give a, more. boxing yeah, just yeah, never stops. Just give me give <laughs> me more, give me more, give me more. And by the way, I know I I mean I I'm just gonna say it straight up. I mean you've also got Brock Jarvis in the same division now. Mm. So and, and Brock had his first um, um, international fight a couple of weeks ago against Frias and like I don't know, but your your heart must have been in your mouth <laughs> in that oh, round man. two. <laughs> Unbelievable eh Unbelievable! How he
1: came back. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how he came back. I mean, because you know, it's difficult for these guys because you, you know, as, as big as Australian boxing's getting, everybody wants to come over and box globally, right? Because they feel that Australia is a small pond for boxing and they want to spread their wings and become a global star. Actually, Australian boxing is getting bigger and bigger and, and, you know, we'll be there soon, but, you look at even Dempsey McKean, you know, boxed at the weekend. He, he was so nervous. you got Ebony Bridges came over. She's, she's made huge noise in the US. Um, Sky Nicholson is here as well at the moment, you know, looking to potentially turn pro. Um, but with Brock, he just came out. And he, I would said to him in a change room before the fight, just relax. Don't be too keen to impress. And he didn't listen to me. You know, he went out there like a train. He got caught cold. I mean, he showed so much heart in that, in that round to stay on his feet. You know, it, it could have been stopped, but then to dig down and bite down on the gum shield and come back and force the stoppage, that shows me forget ability. You know, that shows me tremendous heart. And I know he's got ability. And sometimes that heart doesn't exist. There's many fighters there that would have taken a knee and just, you know, gone, that's that's listen, I'm not about this life. But you know, Brock Jarvis has got a big set of nuts on him. And that's really important when you're talking about fighting at that level. He's got to improve, but we know he's got ability. And if he's got heart, which now he's proven he has, I'm really excited about Brock Jarvis. For me I'd like to see a rematch between the two of them just
2: to prove any pundits wrong because you know we get people who all experts and they want to say all sorts of things after the event but it'd be good just to see that as a rematch for me anyway just as one uh, survey one just to put see Brock actually put the full stop in that that whole argument and 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 try and see what he learned from that event because um, he would have learned a lot about himself. Not only that he's has got a big, big set of nuts, but he would have learned about well, the things you just said, don't come out too hard, pace yourself a little bit, don't get in too close, Keep your, you know, watch yourself, defend yourself, all those sorts of things. Um, and I heard Jeff Fennick the other day talking, I, w- I was at an event with Jeff and Jeff was talking about Brock and he said to me that, uh, he said to everybody that um, Brock was so, um, sort of not concussed, but so, had been hit so many times in that second round that there was no point talking to him. All he tried to get him to do was breathe just breathe, just you know, catch your breath. And that, that's all he said to him. And then Brock went out and just did what he automatically does. It was a, it was a, for me, it was a great event. I, I love the way you come in and you look after him. It's sort of like a bit of a fatherly image. I mean, you're only a young man, but you have this sort of fatherly sort of sense about you when it comes to this, particularly the younger fighters. Um, is that something that you naturally feel like, is that a natural feeling to have towards these young men and young women as
1: well? Yeah, I just think, you know, I like to take care of people and I like to give everybody the opportunity. I say to all fighters, you know, that we, that we represent, I, I promise you, you'll get every opportunity to succeed. It will only come down to how good you are. And if you're good enough, you'll get the opportunities with us. But I do have a soft spot for fighters and I have a soft spot for some fighters over other fighters, but it's, it's tough. You know, I think these, these guys and girls, they, they need our respect because it's a really tough sport. So if I can make a difference and motivate them or help them or put an arm around them to say, don't worry, look, we're out here, we're, we're representing you, we're working for you, you know, we're putting everything into your career, then it's good because it's great to have personal relationships with fighters because selfishly, when they go and win, you get a little piece of that adrenaline, that moment. And as a failed athlete myself, I can't get 100% of that, of that moment. But if I can get 1%, then that feeling, you, you can't replace.
2: That, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, a big statement and you probably, your English and English are the masters of understatement from an Aussie point of view. That's a fucking big statement you just said then because <laughs> that, that's a very important driver of you, which is, by the way, is why fans watch the fights. Because we all get a little bit of a piece of it ourselves. Some of us might relate to the fighter for whatever the reason is. It could be where he comes from. It could be the weight division. Whatever it happens, which some we follow. And when we talk about that, I do want to just raise the issue with you of people like Logan Paul and some of those, and you and you have promoted one of those. You have promoted some of those fights, particularly KSI. I mean, that was one of the early ones. What does that bring for boxing? Do you think? Cause, and this is quite controversial in some corners. For me, it's not a controversial thing. But what do you think it brings for the boxing game?
1: Um, I think, you know, when I did the first one, KSI against Logan Paul, I mean, it was quite amazing um, being a part of it, looking at the audience, looking at the people that I saw drawn to boxing for the first time, looking at the demographic in the Staples Center in Los Angeles, you know, looking at the numbers when we did a live press conference, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you work so hard to drive the numbers and drive the attendance, and then all of a sudden, you're doing a press conference and there's four million people watching globally. You know, and you could be doing a Canelo press conference or an AJ press conference, and there's not even 400 watching. You know, and, and it's it's understanding that new audience. There's a lot of you know, people who talk about, is it good, is it bad for boxing? It's always good to bring new eyes to the sport. The difference is when you bring those eyes, you have to keep them, you have to educate them, you have to feed them with content, and you have to hope they stick or some stick. You know, and if, if 4 million of those eyes globally were people that haven't watched boxing before or were new to the sport, you know, if we can keep 10% of those then it's great for the sport of boxing. Personally, I found it a little bit uncomfortable at times because I'm a boxing hardcore fanatic. You know, I I feel so passionately about the sport and what we were watching was not really boxing. You know, it was more entertainment. You know, we're doing a press conference and they're talking about each other's mums and your mum did this and mine, you know, and there were times when I was thinking, Oh, no, I'm not sure about all this. But it was a fantastic experience. And after that, you know, I sort of said to myself, that's it for us, really? In that, I, it doesn't mean I won't do it again, but... And, and, you know, the broadcaster was more like, wow, this is amazing, we need to do more of these. But I just, you know, when, you, when you're so passionate about something, when you love something so much, it's difficult to do something that you truly don't believe in. You know, I understand it. It was great. I think it can work. I've no problem with Jake Paul. I don't, Jake Paul's, at least he's in fights, you know, not, not really against talented boxers, but fighters or, you know, MMA guys, or now a guy who's had a few fights. So, but the stuff like, you know, Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather, horrible, horrible to watch, you know, that's just, that's a bank job as Floyd Mayweather called it. Logan Paul against KSI, a 50-50 fight, just between two guys that can't really fight. You know, and it was entertaining. <laughs> but for us, it was just an experience to say, all right, we understand it, we get it. It's probably worked quite well for us. I'm hoping some of those people that tuned in for that fight have stayed fans of boxing, have stayed followers of Matrim Boxing, and our fighters have joined my platform as well. You know, I, I think that's, that's uh, the, the pluses to come out of it. Because when I see...
2: When I see- your team. So sometimes you would post up with your team and I've, you know, I've seen photographs of some of the people in your in your in your group, in your in your gang, and uh, I see them as being relevant and probably they're all younger, and you guys probably would appeal to this younger audience as they're probably watching some of these YouTube fighters. So maybe you can get some of them to stick. How important is it for the matchroom team to be to look relevant because uh, you all look like really cool dudes, the whole gang. I mean, I've seen photos. Of Frank's looks cool. Like everyone's looks really, just really cool. When I, but when I go and look at the, your, your, um um your competition, they don't look so cool. They look a lot older and then it's not cool. Like uh you guys are very stylized, very cool, very, uh, I don't know, for, for me as an Aussie sort of London, London sort of guys, you know, like you got the accent, you got the look, you got the, the everything's working. Is that, purposeful or has it just happened to happen that way?
1: I just, we, we are a young team, you know, we're a young team full of energy. And I think that, you know, in our business at Matrim, we don't really hire at senior levels. We let people come through the business, grow through the business, under, understand the philosophy and the mindset of the business and grow. You know, if you look at our team, I'm probably, you know, outside of uh, some of the, I um, think my, my PA and people who have been here for a long, long time, I'm the oldest person in the division. And I think it's important that that younger generation come through because you have to be uh, attractive to that new generation. You have to be um, engaging. You have to have a similar mindset. You have to understand your target audience. And I think that's where it's very difficult for promoters these days because you've got promoters like Bob Aram, He's 90 years old. You know, Frank Warren's 70 odd. I mean, my dad's 70 odd. You know, they just they don't understand the audience. And they don't understand what the audience wants from a, from a content perspective or particularly from an in-event experience. You know, and, and everything that we deliver, we want you to look at us and say, yeah, actually, wow, those guys are cool. That's, that's a cool event. That's where we need to be. You know, if we're going to go boxing, we're going to go to Matchroom Boxing.
2: Well, Matchroom has bought the content uh, for the last uh, five, six weeks. You've been promoting uh, the Lopez-Cambosis fight this weekend. I have to tell you, this is for me, this is one of the best build-ups, not just because I, I know George. It's one of the best builders of a, of a fight, particularly in this division, that I've seen for a long time. This is sort of equal to like heavyweight stuff. So Matchroom, and this will be on design, but Matchroom have done a brilliant job. I have to tell you straight up, Eddie, done a great job of promoting for this Saturday. I'm looking forward to watching the fight. I hope the best man wins. I actually hope it's going to be George. Um, but he's up against it, and Lopez is certainly a world champion, as we know, because he holds the belts. Um, I would love to see post that fight the winner of that fight go off into fight, uh, go, go fight the winner of Haney Diaz. So uh, hopefully, hopefully you can organize it for us. Eddie Hearn from Room and Design, which is, you know, your streaming service, thanks very much. I really appreciate it, mate. This has been awesome. I can't wait for Sunday Morning Australia, by the way, Saturday night, uh, New York, Sunday Morning it's Cambosis and Lapez and thank you very much, Eddie Hearn, for your time.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of Straight Talk with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistant Simon McDermott.
0: This is a mentored podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.